welcome to a Wednesday, December 3rd edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Horace, and I'm going to be going solo as we take on a 10-game slate that is going to be taking up our Wednesday evening. Quite a few interesting matchups coming up over here and a bunch of teams on back-to-backs, which always has its implications as far as availability is concerned. So you definitely need to get yourself onto sportsethos.com and subscribe to that DFS pass so you can stay up to date not only with our live injury report, but get access to our Discord where you get you get insider access to our DFS pros all the way up until lineup lock to see what is going to make all of that difference for you. And of course, all of the amazing content that is there on the website itself, including our DFS deliveries, our podcasts themselves, and a bunch of other props and related content to really keep you on top as far as the DFS business is concerned. But let's jump right into it as we talk about a bunch of positions that are going to be of interest over here. And really what's is going to be a bit of a trend as far as these lineups are concerned is going to be versatility. You're going to find that there is a lot of potential options that you can go for here that do have that dual, if not try positional eligibility, which makes it pretty interesting to be able to try and work out a bunch of different lineups. But really talking about the point guard side, first and foremost, there's two options here that jump out in really up-tempo matchups, which is going to be the uh, the Clippers and Phoenix game, first of all, with uh, James Harden sitting at 8,700 coming into this matchup over here. Now, we know that this game should be a close one all the way through, and Harden himself has been on a really, really consistent tear for the entire month of December up until now. And even though his price tag is uh, sitting up in that consistent 8,000s now, he has found himself being in that average 45 and up DK points on a night-to-night basis. And in fact, two out of the last uh, five games, he's been at 50-plus, with uh, four of those being 43 plus as well. So really a very safe floor as far as his value is concerned. And even though there's been a couple of those games where the Clippers haven't required him to play as big of a minute load, just given how the actual matchups themselves have turned out, this in particular should be a game that will be one of the closer ones of the night. And Vegas seems to think so as well with a 232 and a half game total and the Clippers favored to win by three and a half here. So Definitely going to be something to keep an eye on as we keep going, but Harden is going to be one of my favorite point guards here. On the other hand, looking at the uh, the other side of the really standings over here with uh, the Pistons, obviously ha- having uh, you know one gotten rid of their scourge of a 28-game losing streak, unfortunately, to Toronto. Very disappointing, almost embarrassing over there. But what we really have seen in that time of late has been how Cade has turned around not only his shooting percentages, but also his overall ball handling. He's not turning the ball over nearly as much. His assist numbers are up. And even though he had a dud of a night against Houston... By and large, he is going to be one of my favorite plays on the slate, just given not only his price tag of 8500 but his upside to be able to get high 50s in any sort of matchup that can stay even somewhat close. And given that uh, out of the pure game totals over here, we have a game that's sitting at a 238 game total. And even though the Jazz are favored, I do think this is going to be a closer game than you do think, given how the Jazz have been really, really porous on the defensive end and allowing for opposing point guards to have some pretty big nights against them. So it should be a good matchup for Cade, who should have a size advantage on most of the uh, most of the defensive matchups that he's going to get up against him and really should be able to go ahead and take advantage. 
Uh, speaking of taking advantage and getting himself kind of back on track over here, and I spoke about Josh Giddy on the previous slate, and he thankfully did come through in a big way in a big matchup against Boston, where OKC pulled out the game at the end, and Giddy, to his credit, in 27 minutes, put up 42.5 DK points on a 23-8-6 and six night, and he has just continued to find himself in a better and better place as far as his offense is concerned. You know, most heartening from all of this is that he's hit four threes in each of his last two games as well, which is obviously not an area where he has uh, consistently been a threat, but having put up 15 three-point attempts in the last two games, hitting eight of those, obviously something of a hot streak for him to be able to try and continue. And his price tag remaining at that 5,900 does give you that upside for him to even have a 30 DK point night to be able to get you your value. But clearly, as you've shown over the last two games, he has the ability to do quite a bit more than that. So definitely excited to be able to get him once again on a 5,900 price tag and hopefully have a repeat of his recent performances. Moving into the shooting guard side of things and sticking with that uh, that Phoenix game, uh, we're starting to see you know, with Bradley Beal coming back from his uh, his injury, the best thing is that his minutes have been absolutely there. You know, 30, 35, and 34 minutes in the two games that he's played. And he's also shot relatively well in that time. What is kind of starting to uh, be something that we're going to have to see if it's going to come around is going to be how much of a ball handler he's going to be for this Phoenix team. And given the fact that they're uh, out with a, uh, a bit of a beleaguered lineup as far as their side is concerned, we already know that uh, the ongoing uh, the ongoing injury for Kevin Durant is going to keep him out for this game as well. His hamstring continues to be a bother for him. So Bradley Beal should once again be pretty heavily featured on the offensive end, especially given that it's really just him and Booker that should be taking the vast majority of the shots in what should be a very entertaining matchup at least. And Phoenix at home should be able to try and keep things tight. And that's really going to happen if Bradley Beal can kind of turn back the clock a little bit as far as his uh, full-on offense is concerned. Now, to his credit, over the last two games, he's hit 18 of his uh, 29 shots, so definitely feeling it as far as his pure uh, shot-making is concerned. We're hoping to see a bit of an uptick as far as his three-point attempts are concerned. Bradley Beal, who's historically been a very good three-point shooter, has been attacking more on the inside rather than uh, shooting from the outside so far, only having taken really two to three three-point attempts in the games that he's come back. So we should start to see a bit of a turnaround on that as he gets back into the groove. Regardless, 6900 without him being on a minutes restriction gives you a lot of upside for you to be able to have in a game where he's hopefully going to start to turn things around. And for him to be in a position where he should be able to get mid to high 30s in his DK points at the very least, I feel that's a pretty good spot for me to be able to go ahead and take him. On the other hand, getting to come a little bit uh, back home over here with the Raptors uh, going up against the Memphis Grizzlies, who are themselves uh, in a matchup where we're talking about 230 game total and them favored to only win by one. So a bit of a toss up as far as the actual game itself is concerned. And obviously some of it is on the back of the uh, the recent acquisitions that Toronto made, which personal uh take on it all is I wasn't a big fan of the trade itself. But what is clear is that Emmanuel quickly is going to get the opportunity to be given the keys to the offense over here. We're going to get to see if he can be a little bit more of a playmaker than he was on his first night where you know he was obviously trying to you know feel his way around the offense, got a couple of his shots going there, but wasn't necessarily clicking just yet with the uh, with the rest of his offensive teammates so we're likely going to start to see a little bit more of that as things start to progress with him being the starting point guard and him being at 6400 and 
being in a position where he should get anywhere between 28 to 32 minutes should allow him to pretty comfortably clear that uh, current price tag. I expect that we're going to start to see him get into the 7,000s, if not low 8,000s by the time uh, things start to uh, kind of ramp up as far as the uh, Toronto rotation is concerned over there. So definitely something to uh, to keep an eye on. And I do like him more than an RJ Barrett, who is, is uh, 6,300 otherwise. Uh, I do believe Emmanuel Quickly will be the guy who uh, gets uh, more usage and is a more consistent force on the offensive end for the Toronto Raptors versus uh, someone like RJ who can be very up and down as far as his production is concerned. Moving on to the uh, small forward side of things and also moving on to the other end of the trade, which is where we saw New York get the uh, get the benefit of OG in their first game and really saw what uh, OG Ananobi is going to be able to do consistently for this New York team as he played 35 minutes right off the bat, got to start, was efficient in his offense, didn't necessarily need uh, the big shot numbers, which we've always known on the Toronto side, but what is important is that he's going to be ever present on the floor and he's always going to be able to rack up those supporting stats if he's able to keep himself out there. So for a guy who's uh, down to 5,600 as far as his price tag is concerned and you know he's going to play mid to high 30 minutes just given the back of his uh, defensive prowess, you know, Tibbs is going to absolutely love him. And I do uh, like both him and Dante DiVincenzo, who I'll throw in, in here as well. Uh, both of them sitting at that 5,600 and 5,100 price tag, respectively. Both of them are going to be playing uh, close to 30 minutes consistently for the New York Knicks, just given, again, their versatility, able to play a bunch of different positions, and also just their shot-making capability from the perimeter, which is really what opens up a lot of space for uh, players like Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson to be able to operate in the paint, which is where they are most effective. So expect them to get a lot of open three-point opportunities, and if they can knock them down at their regular clip, they should be able to uh, beat these price tags pretty comfortably. So I'm expecting these two as my mid-tier picks to kind of be that high upside option with a pretty safe floor given their uh, their minutes production over here. So definitely excited to be able to get uh, both of them in my lineup. And the fact that they have uh, multiple position eligibility allows me to slot them in in a bunch of different ways. In OG's case, he has both small forward and power forward eligibility, while Dante DiVincenzo can be either a shooting guard or a small forward. So a lot of ways for your lineup to potentially work out to uh, be able to get them in. So you should be able to fit them in given uh, some of the, uh, you know, kind of lower end expensive guys that we've spoken about so far and really it's going to be a bit of a, a trend as far as all these positions are concerned with a bunch of really good guys available in that seven to eight thousand range uh, to be kind of your pillars as far as the lineup is concerned and then looking at some of these mid-tier upside guys as your guys to really be able to go ahead and make that difference as far as their performance to price ratio is concerned. Uh, sticking on that same region as far as uh, price tag is concerned and as far as potential upside is concerned, another small forward, power forward eligible player is uh, Simone Fontecchio, who is uh, playing on the Utah Jazz, has gotten 31 and 29 minutes in the last two games consistently. And with uh, Taylor Horton Tucker basically taken out of the rotation as it stands as far as Utah is concerned, he's really been uh, one of the guys to uh, take a benefit from that. Being the fact that uh, Keontae George is kind of stuck as their point guard there, and Jordan Clarkson's obviously their kind of gunner, what is fitting is that uh, Fontecchio is able to fit in with uh, a bunch of different lineups over there, so he ends up finding himself minutes when these other guys are staggering around each other. And regardless of the fact that he's not necessarily a huge 
kind of diming guy or even a huge usage guy, he has still been able to find himself two 25 shots in the last two games and averaged about 35 to 36 DK points in that time as well. So his price tag is definitely going to get a correction as his minutes continue to be consistent with this kind of full uh, full strength Utah team and the other aspect that we've seen on this is that Walker Kessler has once again kind of gone back over to the bench and it's really been kind of an interesting dynamic with how they're kind of using him up until now you know for Kessler's own own side he's kind of been up and down and inconsistent as far as his own production is concerned and I think they're finding that the floor spacing that Fontecchio is able to provide is helping out a little bit more with that starting lineup where they also have Laurie Markkinen uh, being at the uh, at the front over as well so an interesting way to be able to go ahead and deal with that moving on to the power forward side of things over here really much of the same continues as far as some high upside options over here and again some of these are going to be eligible as centers as well so you can definitely see how things are going to work out as far as your potential lineups are concerned but first of all starting with uh, Carl Anthony Towns going up against the Pelicans who are coming off of a pretty big victory on their end and a back-to-back where they didn't really need to spend too many minutes on the floor on, the, on their side over there so expecting them to be relatively well rested but this should be a pretty exciting matchup as far as the actual basketball itself is concerned. Now, it's not necessarily the highest game total over here. We're looking at 222.5 with the Timberwolves favored to win by six. But what we will usually see in these kind of scenarios is that the stars are likely going to be where the focus is as far as the offensive, uh, offensive capabilities are concerned over there. So for the uh, for Carl Anthony Towns sitting at 7800 over here getting his price tag actually taking a bit of a dip given that he hasn't really had to uh, be a big part of the offense over the last uh, couple of games either the fact that Anthony Edwards on his end has been kind of taking over but what we did see in that New Year's game is uh, Carlton Towns kind of coming back into his own as far as his uh, pure shot making is concerned, getting up 18 field goal attempts in that game en route to a 41 DK point night. And that's with him having a night where he didn't have uh, many blocks or steals, in fact, none. And his rebounding was also a good bit below his season averages. So all of those are areas that I expect to start to get uh, back into a semblance of normalcy over here. And given that the Pelicans do have a little bit more size up front as well, you know, Carl Anthony Towns is going to be on the floor and involved as much as possible to be able to deal with and Jonas Valanciunas and a, uh, and a bunch of other options that they are going to throw out there to try and uh, get in his way. But in general, I, I do like Carl Anthony Towns' upside. Uh, he has the ability to stretch the floor, which is really not what uh, the Pelicans love from their center position over there, given that they don't necessarily want Valanciunas chasing out there. And if they're going to go with a little bit more Larry Nance a, as a result of that to be able to try and get away, uh, that's uh, likely going to be how they try and combat it. But he should have the uh, big size advantage and mobility advantage to be able to take advantage to take and kind of good effect of that matchup over there. And at the same time, if we are talking about that uh, that uh, Carl Anthony Town side of things, I just mentioned Larry Nance over there. I do believe that he's going to continue to be a, a pretty useful option, not only for the Pelicans in general, but also uh, just for uh, his own uh, capabilities here. And like I said, over the last uh, couple of games, we've been seeing his minutes kind of be where we've expected Larry Nance to be whenever he is on the floor and healthy, which is anywhere between 20 to 25 minutes. And in that time, able to rack up you know, stats across the board, not necessarily with his pure shot making, but he's always going to be a good rebounder. He's always able to get a bunch of steals uh, that you that you can always help as far as his uh, pure value is concerned. And then he's also a pretty decent uh, 
in, in terms of uh, kind of dribble handoffs and, and being able to grab a couple of assists on that perspective there. So while he's not necessarily the highest upside pick that you can get over there, I think at 4,500, he is a solid value pick to be able to go ahead and uh, and get him on there. And even though he's purely center eligible, so he's probably going to be part of the next section, less so than this one, he still remains uh, someone who could be a pretty useful option over here. And I expect that he'll end up playing a couple more minutes in this one rather than JV because of that Carlton Towns matchup uh, on that other end. But uh, going back to the power forward side of things and jumping into the Atlanta game over here where they're, once again, taking on OKC, it's Jalen Johnson who's going to continue to be one of my uh, favorite picks just in general, given uh, how well he's returned from his injury. You know, Atlanta was absolutely missing his capabilities to be that 3-4 uh, kind of mix for him. He's almost a, a bit of their uh, a bit of their OG, but has a lot more kind of rebounding uh, rebounding capability from that perspective as well. So with him in a position where he is playing anywhere between 35 to 37 minutes as he has in the last two games really gives him a ton of upside to be able to be that guy who's sitting in that 6,300 price range, but have the capability to be able to drop 40 plus on a nightly basis, given that he is just that important to not only Atlanta in general, but also been one of the better rookies as far as the entire league is concerned. So really glad that he's getting himself back into the rhythm that minutes aren't being restricted and that he is showing just how important he is going to be to Atlanta now and going forward so definitely one that's going to be one of my favorite picks there and then finally as far as Washington is concerned you know one of the consistent bright spots as far as their uh, both offensive and, and really defensive capabilities have been has been in Denny Avdia who's uh, you know despite how bad Washington has been has been one of the few players that has been consistent night in and night out for them and as of late has really started to um, kind of get himself back into some of that groove that we were seeing uh, when he was playing really well in uh, in early November to kind of the end of that month over there as well and he's come to the tune of 52 and 40 DK points in his last two games up over there and you know for Washington and to their credit they've competed well in those two games having won one of them as well and are now coming up in a matchup uh, in which they uh, will definitely be hoping to take advantage of a Cleveland team that's still obviously missing two of their starters is still a little bit uh, kind of here and there as far as their offensive consistency is concerned and uh, given the fact that uh, you know, Cleveland is at home. They'll be hoping that Donovan Mitchell is going to kind of carry them over to victory over there. But really, if uh, Washington has any chance to kind of consistently compete and also to be able to uh, take some of those defensive matchups on, it's going to require Denny Avdia to have a good night. And for him to be at 5,900 still in a position where he's getting 31 minutes and really being uh, one of the uh, primary playmakers on, on the ball when Tyus Jones is not necessarily being the uh, the pure point guard for them, he's definitely going to be one of those guys that is going to find his way to the lineup in a bunch of different ways. And I love his upside in general, given the fact that he can be a sneaky good rebounder. Uh, he's got 25 rebounds over his last two games, and I don't necessarily expect him to be you know, near double-double from that perspective every time. But he can definitely get you a 7 to 8 on a relatively consistent basis over here with his uh, remaining offensive uh, capabilities, able to put him in a position where he should be able to get 5.5 to a 6x over here. Finally, taking a look at the uh, center side of things, uh, Again, we spoke about uh, a couple of guys that uh, would have that el dual eligibility. So Carl Anthony Towns, for example, fits in as a center as well. And you can definitely get him over here. Uh, the other area that I keep finding myself consistently going to is has been Jalen Duran. You know, since he's come back, has been an absolute beast on the boards. And he's been really feasting on offensive rebounding capabilities. And in general, finding his number called more often in the offense now that he is 
kind of back in the groove uh, from his uh, time off uh, from injury as well. So it's, it's great uh, from his perspective there. Those 20 days off didn't really hurt him as far as kind of minutes in the games are concerned. And even though that last uh, Houston game, he only played 22 minutes, was still able to put up 32 DK points on what was a pretty dud night for the uh, Detroit Pistons. But part of them competing well over the last little bit, eventually leading to them being able to cut that uh, streak down, has been because of Jalen Duran's capabilities. And for him at 6,900, I think there's a lot of upside for him to be able to get into that 40 DK point mark again, as he has in uh, two of the last uh, four games, as well as being nowhere below 32 DK points in that time as well. So very consistent uh, performances from him with the capability to do a little bit more. So he's going to be uh, one of my centers that I'm really paying attention to over here. And then going down into the uh, the cheaper side of things, and you know this one is definitely more of a kind of GPP special as far as um, as far as this pick is concerned, and that's Santi Aldama, who really, as far as Memphis is concerned, should be playing consistent minutes. I mean, we saw earlier in the season uh, when he did get kind of that high 20s, he was really putting up some really big stat lines over there, and we saw a little bit of it again when he took on uh, the San Antonio Spurs yesterday and ended up with a double double in 28 minutes. And for them, where they're still consistently missing, you know, obviously, Stephen Adams is gone for the season. They're starting with Bismack Biombo, who is fine from a size perspective, but really doesn't bring you much on the offensive end. They really need what uh, Santi Aldama can offer, not only from a stretching the floor perspective, but that pure uh, big man that comes off the bench. Now, he came as the sixth man in the last game, which... If that's going to be consistently where he ends up, that's totally fine. It's really all about that uh, that minutes total that he's going to get. And for me, I'm looking for him to play about 25 minutes in this matchup over here against the Toronto Raptors, where you know, from Toronto's perspective, they do like to go smaller over there. We've seen Jakob Pertl get more minutes in the last couple of games, but if that is the case, they'll likely try to uh, combat that with uh, having Santi out there and being able to stretch the floor a little bit more, maybe cause a little bit more chaos where they have to switch and have Pascal kind of reach out and, and stop him in the perimeter over there while Jakob is there uh, guarding the paint because you don't def- necessarily want him kind of chasing guys out to the three-point line. So it just gives a lot of uh, potential offensive uh, versatility to be able to have him play a couple more minutes and I expect that Memphis is going to be doing that uh, today and really should be in general so if uh, Santi can stay at the level that he is he gives you that upside to be able to drop 30 DK points for a guy giving you 4200 but that does all in all bring us to the end of I said a pretty interesting slate a lot of different ways to be able to go to you'll notice that I didn't really spend too much time on you know a lot of these studs up at the top over here and I'm never going to be mad at anyone wanting to be able to take you know, a little bit more of Luka Doncic or a, a Shea Gilgis Alexander given just how well they have been playing as of late it really just comes down to how your potential lineups are working out the way I see it there's just so much upside opportunity that we're seeing in these mid-tier price tags at the moment that I'm more inclined to be able to build around that but that's where multiple lineups come in. So as always, reach out to me on Twitter, on Instagram at HAK underscore devil. Talk to me about how your uh, lineup compositions are looking and of which are the uh, studs that perhaps you're potentially targeting and how some of these, uh, how some of these matchups are going to potentially turn out. But until then, we'll see you on the next one. I'll catch you next week and let's take down some GPPs.